0: Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Isn't it good to be together this Monday, this Monday, this Sunday morning. Wow. Thanks for being here on a Monday. This is a great crowd for a Monday. I'm really impressed that you guys would be here. On this Sunday morning, it is good to be together. This morning, we're going to continue to introduce and explore our 2019 theme, which is on a mission. Last week's sermon was the first sermon in a series of three sermons that will examine the why question about missions, the why question about embracing God's mission as our mission here on earth. Why mission? Why would we, like Abraham and Moses, make the decision to make God's mission our mission and to order our entire lives according to His will? Why? Why would we do that? Well, last week I introduced three realities that would help explain why we would and why we should do that. And here are those three realities. They're revealed in God's Word. They disclose why we should make His mission our mission. Last week, as we moved rather quickly through the story of the exodus from Egypt, we saw that we should make God's mission our mission because of the reality of I am. Because of the reality that God is existent. He is. And the reality that he is self-existent. And the reality that he is unchanging. And the reality that he is inexhaustible. See, God isn't a God. God isn't even a better God. God isn't even the best God. God is the God. He's the I am. And if we embrace the God as our God, then it naturally follows that we would embrace His mission as our mission. If you weren't here last week, I'd like to encourage you to carve out 33 minutes and 35 seconds of your week to go to our website and listen to that sermon from last week. So that's reality number one the reality of I am. Today, we're going to be talking about reality number two. And today, I'm going to assert that you should make God's mission your mission because of the reality that his story is the story. Next Sunday, we'll be talking about reality number three. And next week, I'm going to argue that you should make God's mission your mission because of the reality of his people and that his people are made for his mission. So let's talk about the story. Let's talk about the story revealed in the Bible. Let's not talk about a Bible story. Let's talk about the Bible story. The story that the Bible tells. And I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine that some of us are unfamiliar with or maybe even uncomfortable with talking about the Bible as a single story. So let me explain in what sense the Bible is one story. First of all, if you have your Bible with you, or if you have a Bible within reach, or you have your Bible opened up on your electronic device, do me a favor and hold up your Bible. Go ahead, hold it up like this. Wow, that's a lot of Bibles, isn't it? Keep them up there. I'm not finished. We'll get our exercise if you want to. You can do this while we're doing it. What what you have in your hand here is a remarkable document. It's a truly unique document. It is literally a miraculous document. It's a document that covers thousands of years. It includes thousands of characters. It includes thousands of events. It has some 40 different human authors. But with all of that, this document that you're holding in your hand tells one unified story about one Central character. It's the story of the God. Probably getting tired. You go ahead and put your Bibles down now. It tells the story of the God. The Bible is God's self revelation. He reveals himself to mankind through the Bible. In the Bible, he reveals himself as the God whose reach encompasses all of creation. He reveals himself as the God whose reach encompasses all of time. He reveals himself as the God whose reach encompasses all of humanity. It's the story of the God. In the Bible, God explains the way things are, all things are. In the Bible, God looks back and explains how things have come to be as they are. All things as they are. And in the Bible, God looks forward and tells us what all things ultimately will be. It's the story of the God. And as we read through our Bibles, and as the years go by, and as the characters change, and as the events unfold there's one thing that never changes. It is still the story of the God who is working out his will. He's working out his will through time and it's his will for all creation, including us, his human creation. And if all of that wasn't remarkable enough, the Bible also reveals that the God of the story actually invites us His created being he invites us to embrace his story as our story let that sink in for a moment the god of the story invites you to embrace his story as your story and as you do that to become his people Well, let's talk about why story is so important. See, story is important to us because God has created us with a need for a story. All of us have that need, a need to be part of a story that's bigger than ourselves. We know that it's not good for us to be alone. We need to have a people. We need to have a people with whom we share a history and a people with whom we share a hope for a future we need for our lives to have meaning we need for our lives to have value and purpose we need to be a part of something that matters you know much of human behavior can be explained and can be understood as an often futile quest to fill those needs that's why people join clubs right That's why they wear their team's clothes. That's why they cover their cars with bumper stickers. That's why it's become popular to do DNA tests to find out who our people are. That's why people search through birth records and walk through cemeteries looking for gravestones of their ancestors. We're all in search of a story that we can be a part of. In fact, one of the great tragedies in life is being without a story, being storyless. You see, if you're storyless, you don't have any roots. You don't belong. You're without a people. And if you're storyless, you're left to write your own story. But that story is necessarily impoverished and it's necessarily limited because it isn't a story that fits in with any bigger story. And maybe most tragically, if you are storyless, when you reach the end of yourself, you also reach the end of your story. It's not part of a continuing story, which is why it's so remarkable that the God of the universe invites us to embrace his story as our own story. That's why it's so remarkable that God invites us to be a part of a story with roots that stretch back before even the beginning of time. That's why it's so remarkable that he invites us to be a part of a people who are called to God and are able to call God their father. So when we embrace the story, God's story as our story, we're able to pick up our Bibles and read through our Bibles and find our ancestors. Our ancestors and find our purpose, and find our meaning. Reading through the Bible should become like finding the family plot at a local cemetery and seeing names on the markers, names that are family ancestors, names like Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, Isaiah, Paul, Peter. God doesn't just invite us to embrace this story that has a past. He also invites us to embrace a story that has a future. You see, remarkably, God invites us to embrace his story as our story. And it's the only story that promises that our story with God will never end. And when we embrace God's story with its rich roots that stretch back before the beginning of time and embrace the story that has glorious hope of the eternal glory with God in the future. When we do that, it's then that we discover that our present lives do have purpose. They do have meaning. Only because we are part of God's story, a part of the story. His story is the story, and we have been invited to make the story our story, and make his mission our mission. So what is God's story? What is the story? What is this story that you've been invited to embrace as your story? I'm going to give you a five-minute summary of God's story as revealed in the Bible, So get ready, here we go. The story begins before time. When the creative God begins creating. And God spoke into existence the universe in all of its complexity. But the focus of his creative energy was the earth. And especially the garden. Where in the garden brought together plants and animals and man and woman. And he brought them together to live in harmony in harmony with each other and in harmony with Him. And from the very beginning, there in God's garden, we see God's foundational values and principles on display. Foundational values and principles of love and obedience. But then comes the fall, as Adam and Eve respond to God's love with rebellion instead of obedience. And so pervasive sin enters the world and Eden becomes this distant memory. But God doesn't give up on his creation. And he doesn't give up on mankind. So God's story continues and it becomes a story of rescue and a story of redemption. God's answer to mankind's rebellion and sin was love and blessings. Through Abraham and then Moses, God set aside a people and he gave them his story. He said, this is your story. You are a chosen people. You are a holy nation. You're a people belonging to me so that you'll declare the praises and bring the blessings of me. The one who called you out of slavery and into my wonderful light. And then as we observe the long and often tragic story of God and Israel, his chosen people, we see God's purpose for the world is redemption. And we recognize that God's model for mankind's response to his redemption and his love hasn't changed a bit since the garden. God is still asking for and God is still pleased with love and obedience. And as the story moves forward to the New Testament, we suddenly find ourselves in the climax of God's story. See, first, God's redemption story becomes an incarnation story. With the birth of Jesus Christ, God is with us, God is beside us. God's redemption story is brought to life, it's made flesh in Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls to the world. He calls for mankind to follow him, to imitate him, to embody him, to live out, to personify the reign of God through him, through Christ. He calls on us to do that with love and obedience. And then God's redemption story becomes the story of the cross, the cross and resurrection story. See, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection enables us to experience true redemption and true reconciliation. For on the cross, Jesus removed our sins. He destroyed the barrier between us us. And our God. It's Jesus who makes it possible for the story to become our story. And for his mission to become our mission. As we bring the redeeming work of God and the redeeming work of Jesus to our fallen world. And the end of this story, well the end of this great story has been written but it's still to come. Jesus has won the victory. He's won the victory over sin and death. And those he has redeemed look forward with hope to great days. The great day when everything will be made new. And we'll live in the presence of God forever. And that future hope gives value and purpose. It brings mission to everything we do. For we too can say we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful life. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received the mercy of God. Once we were without a story, But now his story, the story, is our story. And isn't that remarkable? To be able to embrace his story as our story. But I have to tell you, the Bible also tells us another remarkable story. It tells us the remarkable story of a people who consistently and persistently keep chasing other stories and forgetting the story. From the garden to the flood, from the tower to the wilderness, from Jerusalem to Babylon and back to Jerusalem again, God's people continue to choose other stories and forget. The story. And, you know, we'd like to think we're different, wouldn't we? We'd like to think we're different than those forgetful people from way back when. But when we're honest, we know we're not different. We, like them, are prone to wander, and we are certainly prone to forget. And that's why I want to end our time together this morning echoing Moses. Echoing Moses' call to God's people to remember the story. Let me quickly set the stage. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. After 40 years of dealing with difficult people who continue to forget God's story. Continue to forget what God has done for them. As Israel is about to finally move into their promised land. Moses prepares them for what is to come. By pleading with them to remember the story. God's story, which has become their story. In fact, if you read Deuteronomy, you can say that it can accurately be called the remember book. For the number of times that Moses and God remind the people and rehearses with the people all the things that God has done for them. says, don't forget the story, remember the story. I want you to listen to just a couple of snippets from Moses' speeches to the people. Listen to what's on his mind and what's on the mind of God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Moses stands before the great gathering of the people and he says, be careful. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And then later on in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Moses says this to the gathering of the people. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates and then he says when the lord your god brings you into the land he swore to your fathers to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plan, plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. The one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Remember. Do not forget. What's Moses doing here? Well, he's teaching the people then and he's teaching us the importance of stories in remembering the story. How do we remember the story? How do we stay connected to the story? How do we make sure that we don't forget the story? Well, you teach it. You impress it. You talk about it. You have reminders about it all around you. Let me ask you a question. And maybe this question's been on your mind. Why are we constantly encouraging, polite word for it, pushing, nagging? You can choose your own word for it. Why do we make such a big deal out of things like worship attendance and going to Bible classes and being part of a small group? And Bible reading challenges and daily Bible reading topics. Why do we encourage each other to be involved in all of those things? Why? Well, it's not because we're overbearing, pushing, power-hungry people who just want to force our will on other people. That's not why. We do that for the same reason that Moses gave these speeches to the people we do these things, we encourage these things, we push these things because we know that all of us are prone to wander and prone to forget. We're prone to forget the story if we don't teach it, if we don't impress it, if we don't talk about it, if we don't tie it and bind it in our hearts and in our minds. See, if we don't rehearse the story, if we don't celebrate the story we forget the story and we start chasing other stories. It's the same reason why God called on Israel to remember and celebrate the powerful way that he brought them out of Egypt. This is Moses again speaking to the people. Now I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 16 beginning in verse 1. Moses says, observe the month of Abib and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God Because in the month of Abib he brought you out of Egypt by night. Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God. An animal from your flock or herd. At the place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. Do not eat it with bread made with yeast. But for seven days eat unleavened bread. The bread of affliction because you left Egypt in haste. Do this so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Tell the story. Rehearse the story. Remember the story so that all of your life you may remember what God has done for you. Celebrate the Passover so you don't forget who brought you out of slavery. Rehearse and remember the story so you don't forget that the story, God's story, is your story. And the Bible's full of stories, full of reminders of how important stories are in remembering the story. I want you to listen to just one more example. This is from Psalm 105. Listen to how the psalm starts. The psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. So what do we come together? Why do we come together as God's people in this kind of assembly? Well, there are lots of reasons, but one of the main reasons why God calls us together as a people, calls us together to worship and fellowship, is to tell stories, to remember the story. Think about it. That's what we've been doing this morning, right? We've been praising and proclaiming. We've been singing and telling. We've been glorying and rejoicing. We've been looking and we've been remembering we've been doing that as God's people. Because his story is our story. And when we do that together, we're calling each other back to God and we're calling each other back to his story. And we're help making his story our story. Another question for you. Why did we spend time together this morning eating some bread and drinking some juice? Why is our weekly communion time so important to our story as God's people? Again, there are lots of reasons. But one of the reasons is because the table calls us to remember. In fact, the table demands that we not forget what our God has done for us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As often as we take of it, we remember the table tells a powerful story a powerful redemption story once we were not a people but now we are the people of God once we had not received mercy but now we have received the mercy of God one more question Why should we approach every baptism with wonder and excitement and celebration and awe? Well, again, there are lots of reasons. But one of the reasons that we should approach every baptism that way is because we are being blessed to see God's great redemption story work out right in front of our eyes. Another slave is being set free. Another slave is being crucified with Christ and buried with Christ and raised with Christ and united with Christ. It's the powerful redemption story played out right in front of our eyes as their story becomes his story. Every baptism tells a powerful story. We're blessed to be surrounded by powerful stories that remind us that his story is the story. So my call to us is let's embrace these stories so that we'll never forget the story, so that it may never be said of us that we forgot what God has done for us. So Netherwood Park, why make his mission your mission and order your life according to his will? Because his story is not just a story. God's story is the story. And because He's allowed you to make His story your story, let's pray together. Father, we are prone to wander and prone to forget. So, Father, help us to remember. Father, help us to remember. How you have set us free, how you have brought us from death to life, how you have redeemed us, how you have reconciled us. Now, Father, now we're able to call you our father and Abraham our father, for now we have a people, and those people are the people of God. So help us remember. Father, help us to talk about. Help us to impress and teach. Help us to rehearse and tell your great story. So we never lose sight of the fact that it is our story. And Father, we look forward to the day that our story will continue with you in heaven forever. And thank you, God, for loving us. And thank you, God, for saving us. And it's in the name of Jesus, who is the Savior, we pray. Amen. Missional challenge number three. This is a connection challenge This week, I challenge you to read the following verses to help you connect your story to the story. Rick's going to bring them up. Don't worry about writing those down. They're actually um, in your bulletin. They're the daily Bible reading topics that you have in there. I challenge you to take those with you, and each day of the week, read a passage of Scripture that will help you connect your story to God's story. And I'll also be sending out reminders on news and notes. Take the challenge, connect your story to the story. Let's end by standing and worshiping the God who leads us into his story. Let's stand and sing. Say, Lord, like a